take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is Season 2, Chapter 11. Oh my God, the, the chapters just... They fly so fast, and this is already one chapter before the end of the season. Some people are already, you know, getting a little bit sad, but I'm actually really excited about getting to the end of the season because there are some surprises at the end of the season itself in chapter 12, and also because it's been such a fun season with lots of value and tons of adventures about entertainment with balloons. And uh, you know, you know what happens at the end of the season. Uh, there's always that, that uh, you know party in the webinar that uh, you're all going to be invited to, and that will happen uh, about two weeks after the end of the season. So I'm actually quite excited. The chapter for today is with Andrea Noel, and you'll hear everything about her, uh, and including all of those compliments that I shared about Andrea that made her uh, face go red uh, during the interview. And I, I just want you to know that I mean every single thing I, I say. Uh, it's, she's really that talented, and there's so much value in the interview today that I think you'll love it, especially if you're interested in comedy and in uh, balloon acts that include comedy. And next week, Danny Schlesinger will be giving uh, his own director uh, comments and um, guidance to me on the show. So you actually can see how he works. You can hear how uh, I'm getting that critique on, on a few of my routines that I use on my Balloon and Magic show. And this is a very interesting opportunity to be, you know, inside the room of a director uh, while he's giving his consultation. So that's uh, going to be at the end of the season. I want to, like, officially announce, in case you haven't noticed on Facebook or something like that, that on Twist and Shout 17, I was chosen to teach so i'm not just going to twist and shout 17 i i I really wanted to share with you this as soon as possible and this is now official so i can share with you that i am going to teach in twist and shout 17 and this is the the best thing ever look uh this uh podcast started in february just a few months ago, six months ago, and I've been working really hard on providing value to you, on helping you get ideas from different balloon artists all around the world, and by trying to help you with tips and ideas of how to improve your business. And I'm getting so many awesome responses that I'm so humbled by your attention and by your time, and now getting the opportunity to go and teach in twist and shout. Like, my brain literally exploded when I got the announcement of um, being uh, accepted to teach in twist and shout, and this is really amazing. I want to read you really quick a a message, a private message I got from a a very nice balloon artist called Brad. So, hello, Zivi Kivi. My name is Brad. I'm a balloon twister from USA, uh, from Florida. I just wanted to thank you for your amazing work with the Balloon Artist Podcast. You're such a good interviewer. You have excellent guests and the content is wonderful. I have been twisting balloons for four years. Your podcast has helped me, my love for balloons, grow. I'm learning a lot and applying it. Your work is helping people like me develop into a more well-rounded entertainer businessman, which is really helping the art of balloons become more recognized to the everyday person. Thank you, sir, for your hard working. No, thank you, Brad, for sharing your opinion with me and for spending time with me on your car, on your way to gigs, uh, while doing your laundry or cleaning the dishes. And we are in this journey together in our quest 
to entertain people, to make them happy on their events, and to enjoy this art called balloons. This is the best job ever, and I'm so excited to share with you that uh, that uh, we, we can meet in Twist and Shout 17. And if you wait till the end of the interview today, I'm going to announce the promotion that me and Guy Schaeffer from Ballonism, who was interviewed for Chapter 9, Guy Schaeffer and me will do a very nice promotion for people that come to Twist and Shout, because we two of us are the Israeli instructors this year. So this year, it's going to be us who will also give you something back if you choose to come and learn from our classes and from our master classes. I have a, a quick, quick surprise. My daughter wants to be on the show, so Manor, she's eight years old. Here, she just wants to say hello. Hello. And also Sapir, she's six and she's now in first grade. She's very big. She just wants to say hello too. Thank you for your time and patience. Hello. <laughs> That's so sweet. So thank you Manor and Sapir. And thank you Balloon Artist Podcast Nation for meeting with me in Twist and Shout 17. The promotion details will be right after the interview. The last announcement I want to say is again, thank you for everyone who decided to check the Kids Entertainer Academy. You know, the lecture that I'm giving on the Kids Entertainer Academy in the 13th of September is going to be something that really can help you overcome objections. So I really want you to check it out. I'll send you a, an email about it before the before the lecture. And now me and my daughter Mano will say to you a quick message. Enjoy the show. <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> and here is Andrea Noel. Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Civi Kivi and this is season two, chapter ten. Gosh, I'm so excited to interview Andrea Noel all the way from Milwaukee. Andrea Noel is a master twister. She won so many awards. And, you know, when I met her in 2014 in WBC, she already won quite a few awards and she was crazily talented and she was also very nice. And we were jamming together in the jam room in the improv to jam at the last day of the WBC. And she was so, so just the nicest person ever. And later, when she visited Israel, I had such a good time with Andrea and it was just phenomenal. She was teaching in Israel a master class. So, listen to this. On 2011, she already performed with her comedy in America Got Talent 2011. And in Twist and Shout 2012, she won the first place and People's Choice for her stage performance. In 2013, she won second place. On 2014, in Twist and Shout, she won the first place and People's Choice. In 2015, she won the second place. On the Millennium Jam of 2015, she won the second place on stage performance. And on 2016, just a few months ago, she won the second place as well. She won the Master Twister Award on Twist and Shout, which shows you, you know, how versatile and crazily talented this lady is. And just that you grasp how phenomenal her shows are, she performed with her uh, material for more than for for more than 2000 people for 2500 people and was on TV. So hello Andrea Noel. Hi Zivi. Thanks for having Hi. me on the show. I'm so excited to have you here on the show. And you know what? I have to share with the audience this was not easy to coordinate. I was actually trying to uh, have you even on season one. I'm really happy about having you here now on season two because it just makes much more sense to talk with you about entertainment. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So I'd like to first ask you a little bit. Can you can you share us the story of you becoming a balloon artist? I know this is something I don't really ask usually but in your case I think because of your versatile abilities of you know doing stage performances with balloons and also the way that you keep exploring the frontiers of balloon art and keep finding out new stuff I, I want to know how did you start? Well um, the performance I started on stage when I was four and I did theater stuff uh, up until the age of 14. And when I was 14, I got a book from my mom on basic balloon art. And uh, that was kind of the, the start of it all. That was uh, 21 years ago. 
and uh, I've been twisting in a lot of different venues since then. I've been a restaurant twister. I've been a party entertainer. I've uh, worked at farmer's markets. I've done street busking. Uh, and uh, the performance has uh, really taken off in the last couple of years. So uh, now primarily uh, my twisting is... Um, uh, I do detailed twisting for photography, a handful of uh, gifts for people. So these days you mainly do stage shows as a balloon artist, and you don't twist anymore. Do you do, do, you do any birthday shows? No, I don't really do any birthday shows anymore. It's been about four years since I did a birthday party. But yeah, a lot of my uh, twisting now is for stage. Wonderful. We are talking in this season with all kinds of experts about entertainment with balloons. And I feel like, you know, we could talk about some of your high and very complicated techniques that you use. And some of them are so secretive that, you know, we will probably not be able to talk about them. But this is not the, the season about high end techniques. We are now on a season about entertainment. And you know what? You figured out all kinds of ways of entertaining with balloons on a stage, on huge stages as well. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your background on theater and how, how crucial is that for you, do you think? Yeah, I think the theater training uh, that I've had is, is crucial to me being able to put the kind of material on stage that I create. Um, I'll just preface this with uh, the majority of my work from the last few years, uh, they're short acts for stage, and they're usually part of larger variety and vaudeville shows. Um, I'm still working on some larger shows, longer shows for uh, festivals, uh, corporate gigs, uh, things like that. Tell us a little bit uh, the details of, of the theater training so that people will grasp, you know, how deep can you make uh, your training, how, how thorough you can make it. All right. Well, I moved to New Zealand at age 25 to go to circus school. And uh, that program was about a year. And one of the things that really caught my attention there was clowning, uh, because I'm just amazed by the power of comedy. Uh, if somebody can make you laugh, uh, it just it'll make the day amazing. And uh, it's really memorable. So I was in New Zealand for a year, starting to write material there. And after I came back from New Zealand, I wanted to get some more full-time education. So I did a short program in Spain. It was a couple of months uh, full-time clowning uh, program in a circus tent in uh, rural Spain. And uh, then after that, I went and did a year-long conservatory program in physical theater in San Francisco. And uh, that was extremely valuable. So, so you basically learned, you know, for years from uh, clown teachers, from uh, actor teachers, from, you know, I guess also jugglers. And you had a, an opportunity to meet with amazing, amazing teachers, inspiring people that worked with you on different aspects of comedy. Is that right? Yeah. And the road to comedy is... Uh is one that, you know, it's it's an ongoing path. Um, there's, there's always another joke to write. There's always a way to tell the joke better, um, whether that's a spoken joke or uh, a physical joke um, for stage. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an ongoing learning process. You know, I was struggling with that, how to be funny and uh, through the beginning part of my training it's extremely difficult but when I, I did a research project on balloon art and clowning at some point and I was like well oh my gosh <laughs> balloon art th this is you know this is such a deep part of me and when I finally started tapping into that it made comedy so much easier it just came more naturally I think in a way it was uh, more authentic for you to be on the stage and use balloons for comedy. And uh, you do it in a very unusual way. Uh, your balloons actually create characters. Yes, I perform mostly with three characters, and uh, all three of them involve balloons. 
So tell us a bit uh, about your characters, because even, you know, just the concept of having a character and not just, you know, uh, having the balloons do very limited things, like maybe pop in a funny may- way, or maybe transform their shape in a funny way, all of those kinds of usage of balloons are fine, but they are very, you know, magic trick uh, oriented. And what you do is, is, is quite different. It's more like puppetry. Yeah, puppetry is the perfect word for it. I, I consider myself a puppeteer. I'm always puppeteering, even, even if I'm on stage as a character, I'm puppeteering that character. Uh, so my three characters, their names are Elvis, Frank Klausikoff, and the Ostrich. So Elvis is a three-foot-tall, lovable, yellow balloon stick figure, and he uh, is well-known to audiences for his pluckiness, his enthusiasm, his daringness, and also being somewhat clumsy and unlucky in uh, the adventures he goes through on stage. The audience is always rooting for him. When I was first writing for Elvis, I had this image of this balloon person being a sword swallower. And I really, I thought that juxtaposition of this really dangerous career and, you know, his existence as a balloon uh, would be really funny. And those kind of dangerous adventures are pretty standard for Elvis. So basically his stories involve him, you know, as a, as a, sword, as a stick figure, but also a stick figure for balloons that is, you know, has a role in life and his role is that he's a sword swallower. Oh, that's just one act. Yeah, sword swallowing is not his only career. He's, uh, <laughs> yes. he's done acts as a juggler. He's done acts as a balloon artist. He's done uh, acts as a, a f- fire eater. He's like a, a juggler or, you know, an expression of what you are deep inside in a way. Just an opportunity to expose some of your traits, I think. Yes, yes, somewhat, but uh, he, I have a lot easier time juggling than he does. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something, is Elvis, you know, how, why did you choose the name Elvis? Oh, well, um, the the very first act I did with him, the track that I used was uh, Elvis Presley's Hound Dog, and he just ended up adopting the name Elvis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely, uh, I can see how it, you know, he adapted it. Uh, and uh, at some point, the puppet is so, you know, lifelike that it gets uh, almost alive of its own in a way. I had the opportunity of watching Elvis when you were performing in Israel in the festival of balloons called Balloonism by Guy Sheffer. Mm-hmm. And in this festival where uh, you did the act for many people, uh, on a shopping mall, on a big shopping mall. You know, this act it translates to any culture, I feel. That's uh, one of the beauties of comedy, of, of uh, physical comedy. Yeah, and uh, the, one of the things that I try to go for in my acts is you know, things that anybody can relate to. So kind of the common human experience, if I can capture some of that in the act, then it doesn't really matter what language the audience speaks. Do you also use some gaps between bits of the story in your act in order to interact with the audience? Is there something like that, that Elvis can do? He can actually interact? Yeah, so he can. Occasionally I do improvise acts with Elvis. So a lot of times between other acts that are in the show, and there is almost always audience interaction when I'm improvising with Elvis. Wow. I also believe that even by you using timing correctly, comedy timing and waiting and, you know, exchanging looks between you and and Elvis or between you and the audience, that by itself creates an awesome opportunity for people to feel like you are waiting for them or you are, uh, they, they understood the feeling of Elvis or, or Elvis feels ashamed for something or happy or embarrassed and so on. So by, by you, you know, stopping between one bit and another in the, in the act, it creates an interaction inside the audience brain. Yes. Comedic timing is a, 
I'm I'm not entirely sure it's something that can be taught. It's just a matter of really listening to the audience because there will be that moment where you're like this it's right. It's right right now. And so whatever action needs to happen needs to happen right now and that's the funniest moment. Um and it's just something you feel uh by listening to the audience. So tell us a little bit about the next character. Okay, the next character is Frank Klausikoff. Uh Frank is a dry, somewhat deadpan, uh, about 600 plus year old vampire and balloon artist. And <laughs> he uh loves food, awkward family gatherings. Uh he used to work as a birthday party clown, but now kids are afraid of clowns, so he does funeral entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> uh part of Frank's appeal I feel like is his vampire view of the world. He sees things very differently than uh people do, but he still faces real-world problems like, you know, problems with technology, taxes, a mortgage, family. So he's relatable, but he's definitely absurd. So I remember seeing a picture of you dressed as, you know, as a vampire and how will you incorporate the balloon spot into Frank or into the character of Frank Some of Frank's acts are balloon based and some of them aren't the you know because Frank uh is a vampire a lot of his ideas about balloon art are they're less uh lighthearted and whimsical um and he tends more towards uh balloon animals of things that are maybe a little bit creepier or a little bit morbid and a lot of uh, what frank does on stage is you know acts that again are are part of larger shows and so he comes on stage to do an act and whether that be a demonstration in balloon art or a juggling demonstration or something like that he would be doing balloon art as part of a demonstration or an act to entertain the audience he's not a line work character he's definitely a stage character Of course, of course. And I see already kind of a pattern in your choice of characters even by now because you know Elvis as a balloon figure is also, you know, a dangerous sword swallower and juggler and so on and Frank as a vampire is, you know, a birthday party clown and does balloons and juggler juggling as well. So that's uh, you know you you keep making uh absurd decisions that are funny to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. So tell us a bit about the ostrich. Okay. Uh the ostrich is a 5 foot tall full body puppet bird. Uh her eyes and her tail and her other feathers are balloons. Um she's really curious, really social, um but she's not very smart. but makes up for that by being extremely lucky uh in escaping peril. I kind of think of her a little bit like the roadrunner from Looney Tunes. And I think a lot of her charm comes from, you know, the wonder and fascination that people have for animals and nature. So this sounds like a character that is quite big. Does it take a lot of time to create it? No, uh the ostrich only takes about 10 minutes for me to create, but usually the things that take the most twisting time in the acts are the props that I use within the act. And so I have been trying to simplify my acts whenever possible so I can cut down on the pre-show prep time, the twisting time. And the rest of the puppets like uh, to create Frank is not really a puppet, so it's not a balloon making time, but uh, how about Elvis? How much time it will take to make him? Uh usually it takes a couple of minutes to make Elvis. Um but uh I do have a couple of versions of Elvis so some of them take a little bit longer to create. Cool. So what is your role when you're doing the ostrich? I I need to imagine it. So paint me a picture of what is your role inside. You are the ostrich or you are the puppeteer of the ostrich? Uh both. So Um my right hand acts as the ostrich's head and my arm is her neck and then I actually am kind of leaned over into a uh with my body kind of crunched into a the smallest shape I can get it into um inside uh 
a black costume and then oh, my wow. legs are the ostrich's legs. So it's both a costume and a puppet. But now I can definitely imagine it. But basically what you would see on on the stage is an ostrich. Like you would yeah. know, you could you could imagine, you know, there's someone inside, obviously. But you would see an ostrich and the, is, is it a talking ostrich or uh, just a playful one? She makes noises, but uh, she doesn't... Uh I mean, it's, she doesn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Very interesting. I hope to meet the ostrich one day or maybe Frank. I have a feeling uh, this might happen pretty soon one day. Are those characters, you know, the kind of things that you just constructed and they were yours to use or did they also evolve as as you progressed with their acts? So for all three, there, there was an initial spark that, you know, generated the first idea for the character. And as the years go by and I write more material for these characters, uh, they don't really change per se, but the longer that I'm performing with them and writing for them, the more nuances I discover uh, about them, um, the more, you know, personality traits uh, get defined and uh, you know it's it's like getting to know a friend sort of yeah. and also in a way getting to know the audience's preferences because I know how you know how you listen to the audience and you feel what is good for them and then you find out you know what what works better and then suddenly Frank becomes even more obsessed with food because those are the the lines that worked better in a way. Yeah. Yep. So writing the material for the characters is more than just thinking about the characters. There's there's a, a process going on that you create. The creation of the material is something that is not something you do in one day, right? No, usually I, I don't write an act just in one day, but every once in a while that happens. But usually an act, you know, is an evolving thing, you know, it may even take years to get an act to the, the point that I'm really happy with it. But yeah, it always, it all starts somewhere and, uh, you know, something will happen in life that, you know, strikes me as funny or interesting and I might think about, well, how would my characters react in this situation? So, like, an example, like, I recently got a new phone, and I had to call customer service. And so I'm waiting on on the, on the hold with customer service, and I, it makes me laugh because I'm like, what if this was Frank on hold? What would Frank say to, to the phone company? That, you know, that would be funny to me. So, yeah, I just, I, I give myself free range, uh, you know, what would, what would I do? Um, I try to keep my mind open. Uh, I do play a lot as the characters. So you basically live your life with, you know, those extra friends with you, the three friends that are, you know, well-defined in your head. And then whenever you want to, you can, you know, play with them and think about what they would say. And I can, I can personally totally relate to that because I, for many years, I had a, a, a huge passion for writing long stories. And when you're writing long stories, even, you know, novels, you, you, the, the characters in the story, they became, they become real in your head. They have their own life. They have their own needs and their own, their own wants. And you cannot even force them to do something uh, that meets your original plan for a plot because they have their own style of doing stuff. So in a way, you just live with those characters, uh, I imagine, and uh, gather material from anywhere and anything you do. Yeah, yep. I keep a, a notebook, a digital notebook with me, and if, uh, if I have an idea or an inspiration or I've thought up something funny for one of the characters, I... You know, write it down. But, uh, you know, as much as I gather ideas together, you st I still have to put them together into an act that's coherent and makes sense. And so yes. sometimes I have to be a little bit more, you know, less freeform. And I'll, I'll put on some music that'll get myself into the emotional state 
for the kind of act that I want to create. And then I'll just sit down on my couch with my laptop and start writing. So oh, wow. I'm so curious now about if you can uh, give an example of the music, like if you have a specific music that you uh, can share with us. Uh, sure. So uh, one of my Elvis routines is a very beautiful, simple uh, routine where Elvis is finds a red balloon that he really loves. And it's such a sweet and sentimental act. I thought, you know what this really needs is like a really simple melody line with a single instrument. And so I, I went searching for music and I found a, a really beautiful piano piece that had a very simple melody but had a lot of emotion in it. And uh, it was a very uh, hopeful type of music um, yeah. with just a tiny touch of sadness as well. And that was the perfect, the perfect music to create that emotional state. How did you find the music? Wow, that's tricky. Um, I, I'll have in my head kind of a, a, the type of music I want, whether it is, you know, a simple piano melody or complex polka music. But a lot of times I'll go to Amazon and to their MP3 library, and I will search for accordion music or polka music. And if I know how long I want the act to be, I'll search for you know, all tracks that are four minutes and 50 seconds to five minutes and 20 seconds. And wow. then I'll listen to little uh, previews of the MP3s until I find things that sound like they might work. And then I download the songs and then I listen to those songs as I'm writing and see which ones really speak to me or seem to match the act. Wow, that sounds like a process that makes a lot of sense for me. And I really appreciate that you share with us the way that you use music to inspire you and also to make the emotional connection clearer to the audience because I know how much music can uh, emphasize and act. I really like your idea. Tell us a little bit about writing comedy and what else goes through your mind except for putting the music to help you get inspired. Yeah, so uh, when I'm writing comedy, I'll uh, often start off sitting on the couch with my laptop. And if I'm doing spoken comedy, I will write out the premise for the joke first. And then I'll write several punchlines. And I'll call a friend who I think is really quite funny, that I love their comedy, and I will run the joke by them to see which punchlines get the best reaction. So whatever makes them laugh the most is the punchline that I keep. And when I'm doing physical comedy, it's a writing process fairly similar to spoken comedy. I'll uh, get the premise of what I'm working on, but I will videotape myself um, working out the various punchlines. And then I watch the video and I see which one makes me laugh. And whatever makes me laugh the most is the one I keep. Wow. Uh, this is something that you don't do for kids, usually. You do it for adult material, right? Well, I think that my material is generally aimed at a more adult audience, but all of my material is clean, so it could be performed for children. And children do enjoy it, but I, I feel like probably some of my jokes go over their heads. Okay. So, who are your heroes on the comedy world? Well, I have so many. From early in life, uh, I think my, my earliest hero was uh, Red Skelton, uh, who's passed away a long time ago now, but um, he was a physical comedian um, genius. And then more recently, I would say I've uh, really loved some of the clowning I've seen in Cirque du Soleil. I love Pixar. Um, I've really appreciated... Uh, the comedic puppetry of uh, Jordi Bertrand and Il Retreat de Dorian Gray. Uh, so those are some of my favorites. I see. Cool. Okay. So, Andrea, tell us a little bit about, you know, I understand the premise of how you, know, you sit with the music and you try to write comedy or you video yourself. But there's a lot of stories, a lot of, of stories inside your acts. So, Uh, tell us a little bit about the considerations that you have when you're developing a story for your character. Sure. Well, I've got so much on this. Uh, I would say 
First off, I think about emotion, themes, and problems, characters. First, I say to myself, how do I want the audience to feel uh, from this act? Am I going for comedy? Am I going for um, something sweet and poignant, uh, something nostalgic? And an audience, it doesn't have to be one single emotion. They can have multiple emotions through the act. But having the audience feel something is uh, one of the keys to making your act memorable and really sticking with people. And when I'm devising, when I'm writing, and when I'm performing, I think about, can I elicit that emotion from myself during my devising process, you know, and if I am thinking yeah. of a joke for the act, does it make me laugh? So the first thing I think about is how do I want the audience to feel? The second thing I think about is what's the main theme of my story? You know, could be love, adventure, science, elephants, Spider-Man, whatever. You know, I especially love writing for, like I said earlier, themes that involve the common human experience. So I, I find I write a lot about, you know, joy, love, loss, reconnecting with things. So theme. So next I think about what I want to accomplish in the act. And then what sorts of problems might happen that would prevent me from accomplishing uh, my task? And those problems is what helps me build a storyline. So I like to use the word so that to connect my storylines. So as an example, I'm going to come on stage to do a juggling act and a light bulb burns it out. I need this light to be on so that I can perform my juggling act. And so how can I solve this problem? Well, I need to go get a ladder so that I can change the bulb. And what problem might I have now with the ladder? Well, I have to solve that so that I can change the bulb so that I can juggle. For You know, that's just an example. And I, I've already mentioned my three characters, but characters are extremely important uh, for me on stage. I always want to think about, you know, who is it in this show? Like, who are these characters? So who is Frank? Who is Elvis? What drives them? You know, what are their personality traits? Can the audience relate to them? And if I was, you know, going to advise somebody coming on stage to to do a new character, you know, I say that I personally put elements of myself into all of my characters because I feel like that makes it really easy for me to have uh, a more natural response. And so how the character reacts on stage is more natural. Those reactions are also super key. So I think about, you know, as my character in this situation, how do I feel? And if this happened, how would I react? How would that character react? And having an honest reaction gives you credibility on stage. And that, that honesty and that credibility uh, equals audience engagement and trust. And so that's really important. Wow. Yeah. This sounds like a process that, although it, it is hard to implement well, Uh, but it is also something that you can take as a as like a roadmap or a map or, or compass because you start by you know putting the right music and then you basically want to choose what is the accomplishment of the character like, yeah uh, what what the, does the character want to do it wants to maybe do a juggling act it wants to I don't know do something specific and you choose the What will the audience feel, which is a, a huge thing for you because you can actually accomplish that feeling you know you may you can make the audience feel whatever you choose so for example uh, you you might choose to make them laugh, but you also want them to make it in somewhat nostalgic atmosphere or so on so so you you choose what kind of feeling you want to give, and the more specific you choose. The better you will be able to fine tune the the material basically, and you give a theme which is kind of like an extension of the feeling, but it's an it's more than just an extension it's it's also 
something that will dictate maybe your props or maybe the rest of the problems that will occur. And then you create a storyline with problems and one problem will basically, you know, lead to the other or prevent the original task, the original accomplishment. And by knowing who is your character, you follow with the storyline, you you go from one problem to the next in a way that is natural for that character and also natural for you in a way. Yeah, and but it's important. It's not just uh, the act isn't just simply a connection of of uh, one problem after another. There, you really do need to kind of build in that story arc. You know, and there's an intro, the development of the act, and then some sort of climax uh, to the act. You know, the biggest joke, the biggest emotional impact, uh, something like that will happen right right at, towards the end of the act. Wonderful. Andrea Noel was in Israel. Uh, she gave us a masterclass about balloons and about advanced twisting skills, but also you gave us, Andrea, some really powerful tips about performances. And two of those tips that really stuck with me are your tips about the power of trees and about breathing. So can you give us a little bit about that? So yeah, the the number three is a very powerful number, uh, both in story writing and for comedy. So for comedy, I will do something once to establish the existence of that thing, a second time to build a pattern, and then a third time I will do something that is in the same vein but breaks the pattern. And that third time uh, having something different happen, breaking that pattern, uh, is what leads to comedy. So basically by having a pattern of doing something three times on the first time, you create, uh, you establish the ex- the existence of it and on the second time you prove this is a pattern on the third time you basically break the pattern that's also something that is used in storytelling and in crowd engagement for example uh, two weeks ago Guy Sheffer was on the show and he talked about how he asks the, the kids uh, whoever wants to see the show say me and then he says it in a very sh- uh, low tone and the second time he says with a little more passion whoever wants to see the show say me and then the last time the third time he, he, he practically yells with excitement Whoever wants to see the show, say me. And everyone are just out of their chairs shouting me as well with his level of enthusiasm. So, you know, the power of three is very powerful. And when you break the pattern, that's when you can also create comedy. Yep. Cool. So uh, tell us a little bit about the importance of breathing. Well, you can never underestimate the power of breathing. Um, And the audience is actually watching you breathe on stage. So they may not be consciously aware of it, but if you're holding your breath on stage, the audience might be holding their breath. If you relax and breathe, the audience will relax and breathe. And so you can use that breath and the holding of breath to create emotional states for the audience. So if you're building suspense in an act, If you hold your breath, the audience is probably also holding their breath. And breathing also lets the audience know when it's okay for them to applaud. So I uh, did a show just last night, actually, and I came out uh, after the act to uh, take my bow, and I just looked at the audience for a moment, and then I exhaled, and then they started to cheer. So... Breathing, wow. uh, breathing is key on stage, and I just can't tell you how many times I've seen someone, especially when they're doing a new act, uh, and they're so nervous on stage that they're not breathing, and that makes me feel uncomfortable as an audience member. Yeah, you basically know that this is new material by not being able to breathe as often as an audience member and uh, as a as a performer when you remember breathing and you do it in a way that, that is significant it shows the audience that you're in control 
that this is real. This is not just you being an actor. This is you being the actual character yeah. uh, of the show. Yeah. And that, that's something that also um, you can achieve by, by remembering to breathe and by practicing it and finding the right cues, which is awesome. I mean, the, the breathing, it can actually cause your audience to clap just by you breathing. Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. Wonderful. And uh, you also gave us uh, some tips about reacting when something happens. So tell us about that. Sure. So, you know, the magic of performing for live audience is that there's uh, no fourth wall. So this is not the movies. We're not in an isolated room. We have a, a real audience there and things happen. So, you know, if... Uh, somebody yells something out or somebody's cell phone goes off or, you know, if the fire alarm goes off, you got to acknowledge it because something's happened and everyone in the audience heard it too. So if you don't acknowledge what's going on in the theater when everyone has already, you know, obviously noticed it, it it's kind of weird. So, yeah. and then also reacting to that and acknowledging things that have happened, uh, in the audience or in the theater during your show, we'll let everyone laugh. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to apologize for anything that is unexpected. It just means that, you know, the character itself, with all of its personality and traits, and according maybe also to the theme and so on, will react to what just happened. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, Andrea, you know, you have an act, you have an idea, you created the, the theme and the feeling and the problem for the, for, for, for the character, and now you need to work on it and you need to polish the act. So what, what is the process? What are some of your tips about polishing an act? Well, let's see. I would say, first off, um, when you're on stage, you listen to the audience and where the audience reacts and where they don't react to your performance. And does that uh, match up to what you expected? So if you had written a joke, but no one laughed, uh, you should take note of that. Um, I also like to um, get feedback from uh, friends or people whose opinion that I trust um, about the show. Like, uh, did they experience the emotion that I wanted them to feel? Uh, was the act clear to them? I also, I video myself. A lot of times I video in the studio, but also videoing uh, the stage show. And when I watch that video, uh, I try to feel where am I bored or annoyed or confused. If, if I have any of those reactions to watching my act, uh, that is a point that I probably will need to work on. So, yeah, those are some of my tips for polishing. Cool. I definitely can relate to that So for, for the purpose of, you know, videoing yourself. That's something that I'm very in, invested in, even in my birthday shows and also you know, listen to people that you appreciate. So on the next chapter of uh, the Balloon Artist podcast, I'm actually uh, having Danny Schlesinger, the director and the balloon performer, uh, giving me feedback on some of my uh, routines that I do on birthday shows. And also when you were in Israel, I had the, the privilege of showing you my birthday show and getting some uh, feedbacks that uh, really helped me improve it. So I definitely encourage you guys that are listening now to the Balloon Artist podcast and listening to Andrea Noel and her ideas of how to create comedy, which are just, you know, ideas from learning for years in many places, you can, you know, be inspired and build your winning team, that team around you of people that you uh, appreciate, those people that are maybe three steps ahead of you on a specific uh, topic in life. And that topic might be comedy, you know. There's always people around us that we can keep close in order to improve ourselves yeah so andrea i'm really thankful for for your time with us today i feel like people will definitely want to meet elvis and frank and the ostrich again soon i hope that you will give us those opportunities maybe in a convention nearby uh, do you have any any um any 
plans for uh, going to conventions in the near future? Uh, yes, I'm going to uh, be at uh, several conventions in the near future. I will be uh, planning on being at uh, the Hamburg Jam in Hamburg, Germany, and uh, the Slovenia Jam uh, in uh, the capital of Slovenia. Uh, I do believe uh, there may be an Israeli Jam in the works. There may be, there may be. And, uh, we are working on that. <laughs> and... Uh, Then, of course, I'll be a twist and shout next year. Wonderful. So I, I, I'm just feeling so lucky because I will have the opportunity, the opportunity of meeting you in Israel again in uh, the uh, Israeli event that is cooking right now and also uh, in Twist and Shout 17 where I will be giving uh, my class as an instructor on business topics. Nice. Yes, it's uh, now official. So thank you, Andrea, again for, you know, I, I just want to emphasize how, how important it is for everyone, for all of us in the industry to have people like you, Andrea, that is, is not only extremely friendly and, and extremely giving. You teach people your thoughts in, in Israel, your thoughts in, in Ausgem, and I believe you will have many opportunities also to teach again, even in the near future. And it's not, that in, it's not just that, it's the fact that you choose uh, to take the art and you take the art and you put some steroids inside and you create you know, new boundaries new boundaries for the balloon art and you do the same on stage and it's just so fun to see how how you grow as a balloon artist and how the balloon art itself uh, makes a progress and I just I just thank you for being so awesome <laughs> well thank you <laughs> <laughs> so I now take credit on uh, being able to embarrass you live on the show and uh, I, I thank you again and uh, I'll see you soon thanks Zivi wow what an awesome interview with Andrea Noel I really enjoyed how she shared with us all of those tips of creating the material, um, the character, the tip about the music by itself with Amazon. That was really cool. And, you know, just the inspiration of pushing your boundaries and trying to find comedy in your show and improve it. That's something that I think we can all take something from it. Um, I want to share with you that in Twist and Shout 17, when, when Guy Sheffer and me will, in, will give instructing and giving you value in our master classes and so on we are going to teach all kinds of topics related to business and balloon shows and performances and packaging and all kinds of things that will help you in your business so we have a promotion that is you know uh, something that uh, Uh, we are doing together with Patty, of course, and only for you guys in the Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Uh, I am, me, me and Guy, we, we sat together and we thought about the principles of what the promotion should look like. So first of all, the, the promotion, is, it's not about the money because the value of the, of the convention is even much higher than what you pay for. So there's no like... It's not the kind of things that, uh, oh yeah, I want to go to the promotion because I can save money. No. Uh, although we are going to give you value that is worth a lot of money. So the first principle of the promotion is that anyone that, that will use our co coupon code for Twist and Shout 17 will be able to get something for free, a gift. Okay, Everyone, not maybe not half of the people, everyone, okay? The thing is that some of you might get the uh, present which is worth 50 bucks, okay? Which is my ebook. Other people might win other prizes. So we sat together, Guy and me, and we wrote down uh, the list of prizes. Some of the prizes are worth 80 bucks. Some of the prizes are worth 200 bucks. Some of the prizes, like the price that Guy is giving, are worth 800 bucks. And there is also a few prizes that are worth 1,600 bucks. 
and only one person will be getting that value invested back into him into his business and this is crazy you can get to twist and shout for i don't know 350 bucks and maybe maybe win 50 bucks back or maybe even win 1600 bucks back invested into your business that's just awesome so uh, if you want to know more about that go to balloonartistpodcast.com and register to the email list there's many ways of how you can do that and i will send you an email with a link for a special page for the promotion of twist and shout so this is really cool and just we have one more principle and the principle is what about the early birds what about people that already registered so yeah of course they saved 50 bucks already by registering fast and that's that's cool but what about them they want to get some gifts as well so um, patty and uh, us we have agreed that a few of the prizes not all but a few including one spot of the 1600 prize will also be uh, raffled uh, on twist and shout 17 so you can if you if you registered already you're still going to get an opportunity to win prizes if you didn't register yet and you'll register with our coupon you will have two opportunities to win awesome prizes one for sure and the other one maybe i hope this makes sense for you guys the kids entertainer academy lecture that i will give will be on the 13th of september and it will be something that can build your business you can earn a lot of money if you listen to this lecture because this is a lecture about objections about how you overcome objections uh, that your customers are sharing with you before they close a deal so this is something that uh, i am quite an expert of um, if you want to check that out the information will be in the email as well thank you guys for your trust thank you for your time and i will be seeing you soon in twist and shout 17 or in float or just next week with danny schlesinger see you guys the tip section will be right after this Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. My name is David Kay. You may know me as Silly Billy. I'm a full-time children's entertainer from New York City. I've been doing this for 20 years, and I love it, and I still love it, and I love working with kids. Uh, I want to tell you about uh, two different things, uh, two different books. I, I wrote two books. The first book is very interesting. It's, about, it's really about techniques to entertain children. Okay, so there's, there's like, there's chapters on uh, using comedy, there's chapters on using interaction, keeping the kids interact, interacting with the, with your show, uh, there's stuff about how to keep the adults entertained and keep them quiet while you're doing your show. Uh, it's really great, and I'll tell you, I get emails from all over the world, from, uh, from teachers and from balloon artists and face painters and everybody that, uh, storytellers, people who work with children, they learn so much from this book. This book is called Seriously Silly. It's been out for a few years, and I cannot tell you uh, how many wonderful emails I get from people who tell me that it's changed their lives. Uh, my favorite is this uh, guy said he, he put his three kids through college using the material in my book, you know, in, in that he made a great show and his show got better and, and he got more business and so on. The other thing you need to know when you're a children's entertainer, especially if you're in a, in a competitive market, you want to differentiate yourself from your competition. So let's say you're a balloon artist and you want to offer something else that your competition doesn't offer. You could, you could do a few magic tricks, one magic trick, two magic tricks, but just saying something like that on the phone or in your email uh, to a client or a potential client, this is going to set you apart from your competition. One guy does balloon, uh, a balloon show. Second guy does a balloon show and he also does some juggling and he does some magic tricks and things like that. And that I think helps sell you better. And if you're looking for that, you can you can get my brand new book, which is called Super Sized Silly. This is a book with 150 plug and play magic routines. 
the, the routines that are in this book, they do not require any fancy sleight of hand. Basically, the props that are used in this book you can buy from any magic shop, and they basically work themselves. There's nothing, there's nothing to learn about being a magician. These are, these are 150 routines from 100 different magicians from around the world, and uh, they gave me the best routines they had. And the words that you say are in the routine, how to do the trick, the, you know, the mechanics, all the jokes, everything, including theory, which will help you learn to understand what it is that you're doing and why it works. Uh, the new book is called Super Size Silly. You can get both of those books from my website, which is called sillymagic.com. So at sillymagic.com, you can get one book, Super Size Silly. The other, the first book, uh, Seriously Silly. You can see there's a pattern there. And uh, ser really, uh, seriously, you will, you will learn how to be a better entertainer for children. So I hope you check that out. I'm David Kay. Thanks for listening. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Season 2, Chapter 11, The Tip Section. And today I want to give you a quick tip about how you can help people become your champions in all kinds of situations. And the way is to get yourself uh, a battery for, your, for a phone, you know, those rechargeable batteries. Get one with a lot of milliampere, like maybe not 2,600, maybe either 5,000 or 10,000 milliampere. You can buy the more expensive one. It will last for a long time. And then make sure you have a cable not just for your iPhone let's say but also for Samsung for you know for Android phones so if you are an Android guy make sure you have an extra cable for iPhone and then you have the ability to help people recharge their phones now recharging the phones uh, in the Maslow pyramid of needs that's actually a need which comes below food. So there is the need for safety, food, uh, friendship, and you know self-fulfillment. Below, below everything in the Maslow pyramid of needs is two things: the need for Wi-Fi and the need for battery, for battery juice, for power juice for your phone. So. Look, when you are going to come to, to your customer and see that they are very upset about their having only 7% of battery life in their phone and you take out that uh, battery pack and give them the right cable, you just saved their lives. So that's my tip for today. Uh, Guy Schaefer sure knows he really enjoyed the experience yesterday and he was really happy. And I hope you use this tip uh, also with your, with your friends, with your customers, and with anyone that needs power. So be strong. See you next week, guys.